Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, everyone. My um, Welcome to another episode of After the Game. My name is Spencer. And I'm Barry. This is a conversation between the two of us. It is May 20th. We're here in the evening recording in the middle of the Wizards-Pacers play-in game, which is the final game of the Eastern Conference to set those playoffs uh, uh, on the right foot. Uh, we're a night after an epic game between the LA Lakers and the Golden State Warriors that came down to a big shot by LeBron James. And uh, we're awaiting this weekend's start to the 2021 playoff series. Spencer, any thoughts on last night's game or any of the play-in that's happening right now? So not one, not two, but three rims, says LeBron, when he hit that last three-pointer to put, put the game away. Um, if you got a chance to watch that, that was probably one of the most wild shots I've seen um, in a long time. And it's always fun. Playoff energy, there's nothing that matches it. And these playing game, play games have been fun. Obviously, having the Warriors and Lakers go head-to-head in a very competitive match is a lot of fun. And LeBron and Curry made sure it was entertaining. They both, or at least LeBron started off a little slow, so did Anthony Davis. But Curry, that man is the best shooter of all time, and he came out and showed why. And so it was um, a good, good game to watch, especially as a Jazz fan, because the winner or loser of that game determines who they will be playing in the playoffs as it goes now to the Warriors versus the Grizzlies tomorrow. And so I, I'm, I had a good time watching the game. Um, LeBron definitely showed that he is back and he is ready to play hard. He got a little poked in the eye. As I mentioned, he claimed he saw three rims as he shot that last shot with about a minute left to shoot, shoot a three-point dagger over the Warriors in front of Clay, or in front of Curry, actually. So that was fun to watch. But yeah, now it's going to be the, the Grizzlies versus the Warriors. So what do you think about that matchup, Dad? How do you like that? Yeah, I mean, the Warriors are so good to take the Lakers to that final minute. It's pretty incredible. Steph Curry, as you mentioned, greatest shooter of all time. One thing that's impressive about Steph Curry is not only is he a great three-point shooter, but he can truly handle the ball and he truly can get to the rim. Um, I think that they'll really hand it to the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies, you know, had somewhat of a, of an emotional win or a big win against the San Antonio Spurs, which we'll talk about in a minute and how that, that hands the Spurs another loss and they don't make it to the playoffs, but I can't see how the Warriors don't win. They only have to go back up North to San Francisco and yet the Grizzlies have to come cross country and play them. Um, That said, um, Valanciunas and, Brooks and and John Morant, they all played well. So it'll be fun to see. I just don't see how you stop Steph Curry from how he's playing and the rest of his teammates. Yeah, if they if they play like they did against the Lakers last night, then it's almost no competition. The, the Grizzlies scraped through a win against the Spurs, and the Spurs haven't really had that much of a competitive season. So the matches, the matchups are pretty different. And and look, Curry is in contention for MVP for a reason. And so I, I can see them. I mean, all they have to do is just play the way they played the Lakers and, and they'll win. And I don't think it should be too much of a problem for, for the Warriors, especially since they don't want to miss out on the playoffs this year. Uh, but yeah, do you, um, what do you think the big, the big takeaways are? What do you think the Jazz need to be ready for if they end up playing the Warriors? Well, we know that the Warriors have, you know, handled us this season a, a few times. They, they, 
I think they have to get the ball out of Curry's hands and just let somebody else beat them. There were other people that were thumping the Lakers last night from the Warriors' perspective. Um, you know, Bazemore played well. Uh, Looney played well. Draymond Green always plays well. Um, Tosca- Anderson Toscano played well. I, I just think that the Jazz have to get it out of Curry's hands and they have to make shots. I think their best defense for the Jazz is their offense. They have to come out, make shots. Mitchell's back from what we're reading, and he has to just take it to him. And in a seven-game series, the Jazz win this. So um, I don't see the the Warriors getting four games on the Jazz, but it could go the distance. It'll be interesting. I mean, Draymond Green might be the best defensive player of all time, so you never know. I'm just kidding. But I think the big issue, I mean, for teams with Curry is he's just so good off the ball. Uh, we talked about not letting him get the ball, but it's it's hard to do that job. And I and Royce will be matched up on Curry pretty much the whole game. All our stars and all our starting lineups for the Jazz are most likely to play 40-plus minutes. At least Donovan, Conley, and Gobert will be playing around 40 to, to 45 minutes even. So we'll have a, a, our whole team in for the for the majority of the game. So it just comes down to how well Royce can read Curry and, and, and just keep up with him. I mean – there's, there's no better player in the league right now than Curry that can get open. There was a couple plays that I saw last night where he just lost defenders. And, and, and these are NBA players. Like, they are professional athletes, and they just can't follow him. So, so yeah, it's going to be to- interesting. Totally agree. He is – he's going to – listen, he won the league scoring title. He's in the race for MVP. He's having and has said – he's having one of his better seasons. He said he's – the most healthy he's been at, at age, I don't know, I don't know if he's 35 or however old he is, but it's going to be a battle trying to stop him. However, the Jazz aren't the number one team in the NBA. They didn't win all those games for nothing. There's, mm-hmm. And I think there's way too much at stake, way too much to play for, way too much pride that they go into this series and don't win it. Uh, so I see them winning and um, and making it to the next round. Should we so. should we be concerned with Mitchell not playing for the past month or so? Do you, do you feel like there might be a little bit of a warm up for him and, and maybe a game or two where he just isn't at a hundred percent? I I think Mitchell is too much of a pro that if he's not feeling it or he's tired or he's not doing well, he'll defer to his teammates. And for the first time, this is a gutsy statement about the Jazz, but for the first time in quite a while, you have a very deep first team and a very deep bench. And I just think that the Mitchell is going to see that. And if he's a little tired or not playing well, or Quinn doesn't feel like he's got it, I really think that our team can win without Mitchell in this first round. I know that's a big statement, but I really think that we can. Yeah, and having home court advantage with most of the people in attendance, that is a big, big factor. I mean, the Jazz don't have any better fans out there. I don't think so. And if the, you mentioned that the Jazz, they're best when their offense is clicking, and that has shown throughout the play throughout the season that they've had their worst games have been when they haven't been making shots. I got a couple of cool statistics right here about if the Jazz play the, their game, then they'll probably win. So the Jazz averaged 16.3, 3 pointers made per game. That's an NBA record. Again, 16.7 three pointers a game on average. Eight players shooting over 38% from three. Seven players with over a hundred three pointers. Only team ever with ten plus three pointers in every game. That is crazy. Only team ever with ten plus three pointers in every game. Twenty-eight three pointers made in a single game. So that's the franchise record. Eighteen three pointers in a single half. That's an NBA record. 
sorry, 18 three-pointers in a single half. That's an NBA record. And then 285 three-pointers made in a single month. That is an NBA record. So what do you, what do you have to say about that? Do you feel like the Jazz or Quinn's going to drop some three-pointers? <laughs> great stats, uh, great find, and also true. It's When you were saying that, I thought the Warriors are going to get a dose of their own medicine, right? Mm. This is a team that won three NBA championships doing exactly what the Jazz have done this season. And no one's really done it better than the Jazz in the season. They're only 72 games, so it's 10 games shorter than a regular 82-game NBA season. And you just wonder what the Jazz would have done with another 10 games. Would the averages have gone up? Would the three-pointers made have gone up? Absolutely yes to both those. So it's going to be fun to watch the Jazz play Warrior-style basketball against the Warriors in a playoff series. How exciting will that be? I really wish that Clay Thompson was there and then you could see just a, a full array of three-pointers and a barrage of three-pointers from both teams. You'll still see it. Um, but again, I go back to what I said and what you put an exclamation point on. The best defense for the Jazz, even though they have the defensive player of the year and the best defensive player in the league, is their offense. And they've got to be able to run it to a point where they get open looks and make shots. Exactly. I mean, boy, has the, the league changed. I mean, look at all the three-pointers. I think this was the, the most three-pointers shot in a season for the NBA. Maybe. I don't know. But Yeah, the other, the other day, um, Charles Barkley was saying, boy, no one plays defense anymore. I buy that to a degree, but the game has changed. There's still great defense that played. It's just they're playing a numbers game. More teams are shooting threes, which drive the scoring up. Because Charles's point was the, the scoring is way out of whack and way high. Well, the reality is there's just shooting more threes. So even if you play great D, you're not going to cover all the three-point shots. And last time I checked, three points is more than two. Yeah, it's just basic math. If you shoot 33% from three-pointer, you're going to have over 100 points or around 100 points. And so that's just three-pointers. And think about all the, the fast breaks and all the easy layups and Gobert shooting oh my best shooting record in the league right now, percentage-wise. And that's because yeah. he's just throwing down dunks. And I, yeah. I, we're probably going to get more into this as we go throughout the podcast, but the Jazz have they, – they have a great shot on making the finals because of this game. And I think it was Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley from TNT that were saying that the Jazz are going to make the – the conference at least the conference finals if not the, the nba finals and so it, it feels good as a jazz fan to be taken seriously a lot of times the jazz have kind of been under the radar and it's and i can see why because sometimes in these big games they kind of i mean last year we lost a 3-1 um leading so it, it, i hope the jazz bring the playoff intensity that they need and act as if they've been there before what do you think of that yeah absolutely this this team is built to win we went out and got Mike Conley a year ago. Um, he got into the system and in the bubble, they played really well. Listen, for as much as we say about that series and losing in the bubble, we didn't have Boyan Magdanovich. We were the better team. I truly believe that against Denver. We had him on the ropes. We made a few mistakes and they won. So yes, maybe the best team won at that time, but we were the better team in that series. And right. uh, I really think this team is built for a long playoff run and a chance at the finals. Um, it will be interesting. You win the Warriors series, then you play the winner of the Clippers Mavs 4-5 series. So you're going to be playing a tough team regardless. So it's True. probably Warriors, Clippers, 
And then you've got, you know, who do you have? You have the Suns or the Lakers? And Yeah, let's, let's go through the bracket right now and kind of say where everybody's at and touch a little bit on their um, matchups and, and where we kind of have have that going on. Do you want to do that? Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, if you look at stands, we, we probably should do some justice to the East. We're watching right now unfold. The, uh, the Wizards are going to beat the Pacers right now and clinch the eighth spot. So that's going to finalize what the East really looks like um, and be ready to go. So we'll jump to the East really quick. It looks like the 76ers will play the Wizards. You then have the Nets playing the Celtics. Um, Tatum had an incredible game night before last uh, to get his team into the seventh seed with 50 points. You then have the uh, Bucks and the Heat, and then you have the Knicks and the Hawks. We covered this on our last episode, but really quickly, 76ers, and the Wizards, I would think the 76ers get that series. And then Nets and Celtics will be a good one. Any thoughts there? Yeah, Celtics have had an interesting kind of run in the last couple of games. I mean, Tatum is the future of the NBA. He's going to be carrying a lot of um, a lot of scoring. I don't know if you want to call them titles, but he's going to be doing a lot of scoring in the NBA. Um, he, he um, in his matchup against the, the Wizards, he had that 50-plus game. And just a little stat on that. So Larry Bird, Celtics legend, had his first 50-point game at the age of 26, and Tatum is only 23. He's second in all-time list for most 50-point games. I think he has – is it four? For for the Celtics. The Celtics. Yeah, Celtics, sorry. Yeah. And Larry Bird only has, I think, one more game over him. So he is playing at a phenomenal level. And then he was playing against Beal, and Beal was obviously one of his – I think he grew up around Beal – and yep. so he mentioned, I didn't want to lose to Beal. I'm not going to hear about that for the rest of my career. And then Beal said, when it's all said and done, he'll be a thousand times better than me. So, I mean, it hurts as a Knicks fan to kind of give the Celtics their credit. But, I mean, Tatum is one of the best players come up and coming. I just don't know what that means for them against the Nets. I, I mean, as sad as it is, you can be the best player in the league, but three All-Stars is kind of a daunting idea right and it's more than just three all-stars it's three hall of famers there's you know all three of those guys durant harden and and Kyrie Irving are going to be in the hall of fame they're all just incredible players we talked about it in our last episode Uh, today um somebody asked me well who's going to win it uh definitely the nets for me in the east i know you've got the 76ers i know you've got everybody there but i just don't see how you if one of those guys has an off night, you still have two legends. And if well, it, it's interesting the way the 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 bracket on the East lines up because the Nets will have to go through probably the Bucks and then the 76ers, right? Because the Bucks will beat the Heat, I think. Right? That's true. The Nets have to play Giannis, and Giannis is sick and tired of losing in the playoffs. So maybe he comes with some gusto and and, and Middleton's good as well. And the rest of that team is built to win. As well, I. what's interesting about the NBA, and I'm not saying that years gone by, it was different, but I will say from top to bottom in each conference, once this settles, teams one through eight, they're all capable of winning a series regardless of where your seat is. Hmm. Yeah, playoff basketball is different basketball sometimes, and each team is in it for a reason, and they're all that good. It's going to be interesting, though. I, I think 
I mean, a lot of people view the Nets as almost a walk in the park for them this this playoffs. But at the end of the day, they still got to play against teams that are that have a lot of talent. And it's not going to be just, oh, show up and play and you'll win. It's going to be a lot of battles. I mean, hopefully as a fan perspective, you want to see some good competition. But I I hope that the Bucs can find a way to kind of give them a good run for their money. And if not, then the 76ers are there probably going to be waiting for them. I don't, do you see any upsets per se in the Eastern bracket or any? Uh, in the East, any, that's a super question. Any upsets? I, I don't know if you call a four or five matchup an upset. The sure. Knicks are fourth, the Hawks are fifth. That'll be interesting. The Hawks, um, you know, could trip up the Knicks. Uh, the Heat went to the NBA finals last year and they're a sixth seed. The Celtics were in the Eastern Conference final last year. They're in the seventh seed. Um, I, I, I don't see it. I see the seeds in the East, the one, two, three, and four winning their series. And then I just see the one and two battle, the Sixers and the Nets. And I actually see the only upset there would be, I do see the Nets beating the Sixers, which means the two seed becomes the champion of the East. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I hope it's good competition. I don't want to, I don't want anybody to fall asleep. I, I don't think the 76ers will fall asleep. Seven games is, uh, it's quite a series. You're you, maybe a team will fall asleep for one or two games and then they'll just go on a run. But um, yeah, Trey Young on the, on the Hawks did mention that he doesn't want to play elite or he doesn't want to play a season without making the playoffs. So it just shows the intensity that he's bringing to the game. And, and that will be a fun series to watch between yeah. Atlanta Hawks and New York Knicks. But yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I think, I think, a, I guess the next question is 76ers and Nets. Where do you see the series ending up? Is it set? Does it go to seven games or do you see, what do you see there? It's hard to predict because I don't, I can't see them and what shape they're playing in and how well they rolled in the previous series to call if it's, you know, five, six or seven games. Uh, so I'm just going to take the easy road and say seven games. Yeah, I, I see it. Now that right. puts the 76ers on home court. Uh, for the final game, but I just, I, I've said this two or three times in this episode, this team, the Nets, are definitely built to win a championship. Irving has won one, Duran has won two, now you've got to get James Harden his championship, and I just don't see how that guy, with this opportun- opportun- opportunity, this stage in his career, having gone to the Nets, doesn't go all out to win it with these two guys. I don't know if their window is one year, two year, three years, but the window is now to win for the Nets. I do not see them going out unless they leave it all on the line. So I predict the Nets, even if it goes seven games. All right. Well, we got that one on record, I guess, to make things a little bit more interesting, I guess I'll go with the 76ers coming out of the Eastern conference as the championships. And I'll bet you $5 on that just to spice things up. So we can go back to this podcast and see, who was right. I had the 76ers coming out of the East to play in the finals and you'll have the Nets and whoever, whoever gets it gets $5. Yeah. Well, so, great. great. I'll win that one. So you can just, you know, get your green cash and start to send it. Cause there's just no way the Nets <laughs> lose this. There's just no way. I mean, there's no way. And Beatle implode. Simmons will have a bad game. Doc Rivers will whine and the Nets will win. All right. Well, one thing for sure, it'll be fun. So let's hop over to the West then kind of where it's a little bit close to home for us. We're going to find out who the Jazz play tomorrow between the Grizzlies and Warriors. We pretty much already decided that it will be the Warriors. It will be the Warriors, yep. Yeah, so let's go through Jazz Warriors, the fifth, the fourth and fifth seed, Clippers, Mavericks. Third and sixth is Nuggets, Trailblazers. 
And then the second and seventh is now Suns and Lakers. So what are your thoughts there? Do you see any upsets? Do you see anything that isn't face face value takeaway? Yeah, the, you, you know, you can say this. Let's look at the three, six really quick because you're asking about upsets. I actually could see Portland because hmm. da- Damian Lillard is – he's almost like James Harden. It's like time is now. I am losing out every year. And Portland came into these playoffs on a, on a roll, not saying Denver didn't. And I know Jokic is the MVP, but if you want to talk about upsets, I could see the Blazers beating the Nuggets and winning that series and ousting the MVP. Yeah, it's interesting because the Nuggets are good. And obviously you can't really compare them to last year, but we forget that last year they went down three, one twice in a row. And and so like, I mean, they still won those series, so they're good. But I like Damian Lillard because he does have that kind of almost different level of all-star mentality where he just is, I want to win this for my city. And that's what I like about a player. So that's why he's one of my favorites because he – could not dream of anything better than winning a title for Portland. But it's interesting because Jokovic is an MVP contender, if not the MVP this year. And that's, that means something going against um, someone like, like Lillard and I guess Mello and, and you got um, those uh, McCollum. So like the, the Trailblazers have the team, but you can't sleep on the Nuggets and, and the Nuggets have that home court advantage. It's going to be interesting. I, I don't know, but if there was going to be an upset, I guess it kind of would be there. If not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, now listen, we're, we're talking about upsets. You have the defending champions with one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. I was just going to hop Le- over there. I mean, LeBron James. And then you have Anthony Davis who is making a name for himself to be one of the greats and a team that's actually stacked with players who want to win a championship and been brought in to play with LeBron James. So a 7-2, a Lakers win over the Suns would be an upset. Yeah. But I think you have a quote from uh, Chris Paul that you, you had a little bit earlier about what he's playing for. Um, let me see if I can find it. Um, I think earlier today you had this quote that said, I'm trying to break my record of not winning championships. And that was Chris Paul on his next record-breaking attempt. Yeah. So kind of a twist on words there. I'm trying – to break my record of not winning championships. So there's a lot, but both teams have a ton to play for. And that's why these playoffs to me are, I I guess in years past they have been, I'm not overlooking where playoffs have been, but this year to me in my 40 years of following the NBA is the most intense Hmm. of all the playoffs from top to bottom. Like I said, a few minutes ago from the first seed to the eighth seed in, in both conferences, you just have great matchups. Yeah. And speaking of matchups with the Suns and the Lakers, this is the first time Chris Paul and LeBron James will play each other in the playoffs. So if you think about wow. that, I think Chris Paul has been in the league or made the playoffs thir- for 13 seasons and LeBron's 18 seasons, right? That's how long they've been in the league. And this is the first time those two will come up against each other in the playoffs. So speaking about intensity, this is going to be one of the – one of the coolest things that's happened in the NBA because it's never happened before where you have one of the best point guards of all time versus one of the greatest players of all time. And so that, that should be fun. Great point. I mean, listen, LeBron toiled in the Eastern conference and Chris Paul in the Western conference for most of their careers. But you're right over the last couple of years where LeBron's been in the, first of all, they never met in the NBA finals, which is crazy. 
Second of all, LeBron's been in the West now for three years, and Chris Paul's been in the West for two years and, and hasn't made the playoffs. So you're right. Now is the time where they clash. And uh, watching LeBron James last night, he's healthy. Hmm. He's hungry. He's ready to play. And uh, then they put some pieces around him that are pretty incredible to win another championship. But I just don't know how Chris Paul, who is getting to the stage where, again, I'll say this statement, his window of time to win a championship is definitely closing. And right. that's going to drive a lot of emotion. You look at this. I said it about the Nets. James Harden knows this has not come around all the time. He's going to want to win in the East. Chris Paul is the same in the West. He's going to want to win this because this is not – these magical seasons don't happen every year when you get to the stage in your career. Yeah, you can see that about pretty much every team. And I think uh, I think it was Charles Barkley last night said that it would be harder for the Lakers to win if they won against the Jazz than it would be against the Suns. So I guess that makes sense since the Jazz are number one and the Suns are number two. But he was really emphasizing the fact that the Jazz are that good and the Lakers might have a better chance against the Suns just based off of dynamic um, matchups. Well, yeah, there's some emotion. There's some, Listen, here's what you have in the Jazz. You have a superstar in Donovan Mitchell. You have a veteran who's been to a Western Conference Finals in uh, Mike Conley. You have Rudy Gobert, who's now a weathered veteran from a defensive perspective. You have Bogdanovich, a a veteran. Ingles, a veteran. Jordan Clarkson, a veteran. So I'm not saying that Phoenix doesn't have it, but you go down the Phoenix roster and it's a much younger roster outside of Chris Paul. So then the Lakers roll in there and they're going to be playing a team with a great season record and with a superstar in Chris Paul and another one in Devin Booker, but they don't have the experience and the jazz do not same playoff experience, even though they do and they haven't gotten deep, but they just, the jazz are built to match the Lakers in maturity. Yeah. Keep an eye on Caruso for the Lakers though. I mean, he he can maybe make some, big differences that aren't obvious right away. But I guess to make things interesting again, if, if we're going to have to call the shots between the Lakers and the Suns, I'll put my money on the Lakers winning that series. I don't know. I, no, like then, you- I'll, then I'll go, I'll go with the Suns. We'll make it interesting. Put right. another $5 on it. Even though we've been saying how good the Lakers are rolling into this and that that is the possible upset. I'm going to ride uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker and just Paul's will to win and, and really put up a big point on his friend LeBron James to say, I got you in the playoffs. Man, it's going to be fun. This is going to be a fun playoffs for sure. So what, if the Jazz, I think they'll take out the Warriors, and then I think the Clippers will take out the, the Mavs. What do you think about the Jazz? I mean, we'll probably jump into this later on podcast. We don't have to dive too deep into it. But what do you think about Jazz-Clippers matchup? And do you see the Jazz advancing all the way to the finals? So during the regular season, they played the Clippers well. The Clippers were shorthanded uh, in a game or two of those, and the Jazz beat them. Um, when they were full strength, it was a close game. I, I believe the Jazz are built better this year to handle the Clippers in a playoff situation. Donovan's got to come out and play well. Different than what I said a little bit earlier about a Jazz Warriors series where I think the Jazz can get by the Warriors without stellar play from Donovan Mitchell. He has to play well to get past the Clippers. Enough said. Um, But you know what? I I just don't know. I don't, I know Paul George is playing for something. This is kind of a funky statement on this podcast. I don't know what Kawhi Leonard's playing for, but 
what what is he playing for? He won championships and won NBA Finals All Stars in San Antonio. He did it again in Toronto. He could be playing for clearly his hometown, the ability to win a, another championship with a third team. I get it, but what really deep down inside, deep down inside, is Kawhi Leonard have to be playing for? Right? Yeah, I mean, and I think that's gonna make a difference. Paul George does. He wants to prove people that it's you know he can play in the playoffs. And that's going to be hard for any matchup, the Mavericks and or the Jazz or anybody else they play. But the reality is I just don't know where Kawhi Leonard's mindset is. He's done it all. He's made a lot of money. He's won championships in San Antonio. He's been an NBA Finals All-Star or MVP. He's done the same thing in Toronto. So when push comes to shove and it gets really tight and close and the Jazz are starting to beat, does Kawhi just kind of go, okay, well, I've had my run. Well, the dude is a robot. I mean, what what type of emotions in general does he have? I mean, he's a fun guy, but I mean, if you really want to dive deep into who Kawhi Leonard is, you're you're gonna be running into a lot of law, lot lot of walls. He just doesn't really seem like he has a lot of upfront emotion. But I think it's interesting because I've always struggled with Paul George as a as a. I mean, obviously he's a great player, but he kind of just seems like he gets his paycheck sometimes and just is happy with that. And but he did come out and say there's a the other night quote he said people laugh at my nickname playoff p think about they about to see finals mvp p so he's basically saying this year i'm going to be the greatest player in the playoffs just watch and i mean he kind of falls short of playoff p but he uh he wants to kind of make a statement and be like listen i i am that good you guys say i am so i'm gonna show you that i am but it'll be interesting i mean I think the Jazz, if they can just put it together, you can't beat them. If they just figure it out, make their shots, and they just if they come together as a team, I, I know it sounds super, super cliche, but they have the pieces to win to win it all. And so they just got to put those pieces together. So yeah, I mean, I I'm kind of stupid takes that I'm having tonight, but in the Clippers, Paul George has something to play for. And again, the window. What is his window? I mean, you can say that about every team. And I think Paul George is going to have to play lights out, you know, regular season, incredible player, Paul George for the Clippers. They, they most likely will get past the Mavs. Then again, Luka Doncic, I mean, that guy's a freaking superstar. So maybe he shuts them down. But once they get to the Jazz, it's, I mean, Paul George has to play, like you just said, as an MVP to get all the way there. Crazy that we're into the playoffs. This is a little interesting in my mind. Going into the season, it was almost no brainer that Lakers won, Clippers two. Now it's Lakers seventh, Clippers four. (laughs) And I think that just changes the complexity of everything here. Um, Everybody thought Clippers, Lakers, Lakers, Clippers. But now you've got so much more complexity to it. Yeah, I mean, it's been definitely an interesting season. and, and But I, I do feel like some of these all-stars, they kind of turn it on the playoffs. As much as they love the game, it kind of seems like they rest or they hold off even to just make the playoffs, and then they turn it on, which is why I love the playoffs. It's because it's, it's 100% high intensity each game because this is actually what they get paid to do. And so yeah, they- a, little, a little bit easier to do it this season. I was thinking about this in the night and frustrated as an NBA fan and then watching these teams kind of rest their players to a degree or have them have injuries. I mean, the Nets, how many times have the big three been on the court? Not very many times. 
The Lakers with AD and LeBron James, how many times have they been on the court? Not very much. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, not very much. This is probably the season where the NBA could have said to them on the side, this is the season to do it because there's no fans in the stands. Yeah. So it's not like people are paying good hard money to come night in, night out and pack stadiums with 18 to 20 to 22,000 fans. And then a guy goes, well, I'm not playing tonight because I'm hurt or I'm resting. This was the season to do it. I, and, and, I, and you're right. Now they're all coming back. They've all played a game or two. They're getting their rhythm back. This might be the only time that we see in NBA history, a season where people are fresh and ready to go in the playoffs that were great teams. Now, the only teams where that doesn't happen are the Suns, who have played everybody all season long. The Jazz, to a degree, but is Donovan Mitchell now going to come back? Mm. Is the ankle injury, was it as bad as we thought? Or maybe it wasn't, and maybe he did have four, five, six, seven games where he could have played but didn't. And this is the season to have done that because you wouldn't have disappointed too many fans. Yeah, I'm trying to think any All-Stars that are injured. I I guess just um, Murray on the Nuggets. But if you look at the All-Stars in general, I think Jokovic was the only All-Star to play all 72 games. So, I mean, there's an interesting stat. You know, and and, and I don't want to shift topics too quickly, but I'd like to get to it at some point. And let's talk about the awards uh, leaders and and who is part of that talk. And that might be a good segue, having just mentioned Jokic's name, to go to the NBA finalists for all the awards. Now, the awards at the end of the season are Most Valuable Player, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved, Sixth Man, and Coach of the Year. Let's start with the one at the very top, and that's the most valuable player. The three finalists are Stephen Curry, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic. Any thoughts? Yeah, so first of all, these are Kia most valuable players. <laughs> I Thank like when the ads for, do uh, that. that sponsorship, yes. Um, so yeah, you have Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic. So <laughs> the Joker is – he's an anomaly for, for a reason – because he has everything that it takes to be unstoppable. I mean, Curry, they're, they're all unique in their, in their ways. I haven't really followed Joel Embiid too much, to be honest, just because I'm not really a huge fan of the 76ers. I mean, I understand that they're a great team, and I should be a little bit more curious to watch kind of greatness wherever it is. But I can't really say too much about him. I know that he obviously is built – to dominate and he does dominate games he does have Ben Simmons on his team which kind of does make it a little bit I mean love or hate Ben Simmons he still is an athletic guy that makes it a little bit yeah, harder absolutely. To, yeah. yeah so it's, it's it's hard for teams to deal with both of those people it looks like Steph Curry and, and Jokovic the Joker they're, they're doing this not I wouldn't say you can't always say on your own but they you see Steph Curry you see Jokic they they take the ball at the end of the game and they and they make it their game and that's what I like about a, a, an MVP um, is because if Joel Embiid isn't playing well at the end of the game, you can always try to go to Simmons. And so is he as valuable as you say he is? Because if, if Curry's not playing well at the end of the game, you're not going to win. If Jokic isn't, if he fouls out at the end of the game, it's going to be hard to win. And so for that reason, yeah. I can lean towards those two. And, and if I had to put a name on it, as much as Steph Curry has had an amazing season, I think Jokic, I, I'd rather have him he's more valuable to me. That's a great point. Most valuable player. Well, if you, if you take your, you know, your segment there, yeah. Jokic is the most valuable player to his team like Steph Curry, but, but this is a guy you go back to what led us to this segment. 
He played all 72 games. He's now played with the second best player on that team, Jamal Murray, hurt over the last part of the season. He still carried his team to a great finish to the regular season. Right. And they are the third seed. So I'm going with Jokic. Um, I think I think Embiid is – he's so good. And yeah. I've watched him. He is just so, – he is just at times a man among boys, and it just makes him unique and, uh, and talented. Um, however, I just – I don't give it to him. I, I don't give it to him. His team is the number one seed in the East. They have a great record. I just think Jokic playing all 72 games and carrying a team that could have folded after the injury of Jamal Murray – makes him my MVP. Do you want yeah, to move sure. on to the rookie of the year or any last thoughts there? Well, I just wanted to, to just cover how these people are chosen. Is it, is it, do the fans vote or is there a player's association? Is it where, where do the, who decides this? Yeah. The three finalists for each award are based on the results from a global panel of sports writers and broadcasters. So it's not the fans, it's sports writers and broadcasters. Great. Yeah. So maybe there are a little bit of politics involved, but at the end of the day, if you're good, you're good. Yeah. So, so yeah. In the, in the key NBA rookie of the year has LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, the number one pick, and Tyrese Halliburton of the Sacramento Kings. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. So this is really only between LaMelo and Anthony Edwards. I, I think, I don't know if you argue about that. Well, I'm a big, I loved watching Tyrese Halliburton. I, I just think he's got an athletic body, but I don't think his body of work matched Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball. Yeah, I think we all know who ESPN would pick. They've been drooling over LaMelo the whole season. Every time he gets the ball, even when he doesn't get the ball, they've been going crazy over just him. So that's there's been a lot of attention on him this season. And he's lived up to the hype. I'm not going to lie. He is a great player. I like Ant. Ant just has, I mean, both teams finish, what, eighth? Like Anthony Edwards, or not eighth, like t- they both finished ninth, right? Or maybe not. Uh, no, the, the Timberwolves were, I think, I mean, listen, the Hornets made it into the play-in and then just didn't perform the other night against the Pacers. Oh, right. Okay, I was I was confusing the Timberwolves for somebody else. But I So it's down between Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball. The A lot of the media want you to think LaMelo Ball is going to win, but a lot of the fans online kind of say that Ant's going to win it. And you can see both, like, reasons. Obviously, Anthony Edwards wasn't on his, – his team didn't get – as far and he does have some help on his team with Carl Anthony Towns right right and so um I I I kind of like the way he was playing a little bit better it kind of did hurt that LaMelo got injured a little bit towards the end of the season but obviously they both kind of had their moments and they seem to be um important players on the team the second they started playing and almost almost as if they were the center point of the team I don't know what are your thoughts on kind of where Anthony Edward ends up and, and LaMelo Ball? Well, I, I would say this, that I'm going to look at it this way. I do believe that LaMelo Ball most likely wins Rookie of the Year. He was that important to his team and to keep Charlotte in the playoff hunt. I will say, and this is a big statement, big statement, the longevity and the career and the trajectory of a superstar, I think Anthony Edwards is the better player. Whoa. I think that if Anthony Edwards can make Minnesota into a perennial playoff team, that he is the bigger superstar of the two. Hmm. Um, so his athletic ability, 
his, his, his body of work, um, how he can develop his game. I think are great. Now, LaMelo Ball is going to have the ball in his hands more times. So maybe my prediction is a little off, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. LaMelo Ball will be rookie of the year. However, don't sleep on Anthony Edwards for his career. I think he'll have a better career. So just give me one answer. Who do you think will have more NBA rings between the two? Uh, hard to win a ring nowadays in the NBA. All right. <laughs> Uh, you know, if you're still with the Hornets and the Timberwolves, uh, I would say they'll tie with zero. It'll be hard. Great. So let's move on to Defensive Player of the Year. And this is where we are loving life as a Jazz fan. The contenders are Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, and Ben Simmons. I mean, there's been some banter back and forth. Draymond, Draymond Green's come out on social media saying he is the greatest defensive player of all time. And Ben Simmons, I'm surprised Ben Simmons isn't rookie of the year, to be honest with you. But at the end of the day, what do you think between these great players? Well, I will tell you this. Um, Draymond Green is a great defensive player. I watched him play last night. He really defended the pick and roll uh, uh, to an art form. It was right. amazing how he played. And I do believe that he is great. However, if you look to his team and what he did to opponents, it is unquestionably Rudy Gobert as the defensive player of the year. Just unquestionable. The only thing about this award, I read this and I agree with it. Will there be voter fatigue on Rudy Gobert? And what I mean by that is, will the sports writers and the broadcasters go, yeah, well, yes, he's amazing but we he's won it twice and maybe Draymond Green has won it as well and do they flip the switch and go to a Ben Simmons and some and what happens is it's like in a presidential election you start seeing votes split if you have more than two candidates and all of a sudden does Ben Simmons start getting votes and then Draymond Green gets votes and you don't have a clear concise winner that will hurt Rudy Gobert but for me, there's just no question that Rudy Gobert is a defensive player of the year. Not even a question. Yeah, if, if you understand the game, it isn't a question. If you understand the impact, it's not a question. So it, it's interesting, though, because Draymond Green watching him last night, and I haven't really studied him throughout the whole season, but he didn't have too many points, but yet they were still contending at the end of the game. And so that just shows his impact defensively, yeah. and you can look yeah. at the stats for that. But, I mean – Gobert has the stats, but beyond that, he has the presence. And I think that makes him the defensive player of the year. Because if you look at each of these players, statistically, I think Gobert is still better than all of them. And then if you even go further and you look at, okay, who's driving to the lane or, or who's guarding who and, and what does he do when he's in the game? It's no question it's Gobert. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, I mean, Gobert's won, won it twice I've, or won it a couple of times. So he could, I think the one with, I think the most defensive players of the years is four, right? With, um, well, Ben Wallace, I think had some, I, I'd have to go all the way back in the stats. Um, I, I think Draymond Green's got, does he have three? I don't know how many Draymond has. Maybe. Anyway. I, I mean, listen, the, all three of these players are great defense players. No doubt that we both believe Rudy Gobert. And, and I think in the end, he will win. It just, to me, when I heard this comment about voter fatigue, and also voter um, differences, 
it, it could be a close enough race that there's a surprise winner here that Rudy doesn't win it, which will make me, you know, kind of sad because he definitely. Yeah, sad. it'll make me sad too. Maybe he doesn't have as many highlight defensive plays, but I think he does. But at the end of the day, if you understand the game, it's unquestionable. And so it, it'd almost be disrespectful to not give it and, and it would kind of tank away from things because, but yeah, that's a good point. There's three contenders. So votes are going to go all over the place and then it could come down to, to just one vote or even a couple that just push over another player. So let's, right. let's jump down to the most improved player. Yep. So you have in the most improved player, you have Jeremy Grant of the Detroit Pistons, Michael Porter Jr. Denver Nuggets and Julius Randle of the New York Knicks. Um, can make a case for all three. That's why they're, they're the finalists in this category, most improved player. Jeremy Grant leaves the Denver Nuggets and has a stellar year in Detroit. Michael Porter Jr. Um, lights it up like we know he can from the three-point line for Denver and carries them like Jokic after Jamal Murray's injury. However, because I just think to take the Knicks to where they are as the fourth seed in the East, this one goes to Julius Randle. Yep. I. Yeah, I was going to 100% agree with that. I think if you look at Julius Randle's contract, obviously there's incentives involved. And I think he reached every single one of, or almost every single one of his incentives. I, there's still a couple that you can get right now. But that shows that he was asked to do something with a goal in mind and he got every, he reached all his goals. And to take the, the Knicks to where they are now, if you look at years in the past on who Randle is and then where they are now, it's night and day, and I that shows that he is the most approved player. I haven't really studied the other players too much, but I, and I think that just shows that Jul- Julius Randle has made that impact as a player because he's just so much more mainstream now, and that is because he is the most improved player, and it just shows across all platforms. Yeah, this is, is a, this is a funky category for me. We talk about most improved player. I mean, Jeremy Grant was a good player last year. Michael Porter Jr. was a good player last right. year. Julius Randle was a good player last year. So now I'm going to err on the side in this category of six man of the year, who really helped his team and improved the most to help his team and put his team in a great situation. And that is absolutely Julius Randle and what he's done with the Knicks. All right. I agree. And I think we, we can write those ones down. So let's, um, let's jump to six man of the year. Obviously this is one that's pretty close to heart because our man, Jordan Clarkson, JC favorite player almost of all time for me is um, in consideration along with Joe Ingles, another jazz and Derek Rose, who is one of my favorite players of all time. So I love all three of these players and all these players are top notch contenders. Um, I don't know what you think, but I'll just start off and say it's going to be Jordan Clarkson. It's got to be Jordan Clarkson. I mean, the guy scores 17, 18 points a game off the bench, off the bench, didn't start at all. And then when you need to win a game, he can win a game for you. And he can win a game. This is a strong statement. The reason why he's the sixth man is he can win a game in the third quarter. How many games did Jordan Clarkson come in off the bench late in the third quarter, ignite the Jazz, spread the lead to 10, 15, 20, stay in the game in the fourth quarter, and the game was over just because of this guy coming off the bench and playing well. So this is Jordan Clarkson, not even a question. But what makes it so fun as a Jazz fan is you have Joe Ingles. I knew he had sixth man of the year consideration. I didn't know he'd be one of the three finalists. But any other year than having Clarkson do what he did, Joe Ingles wins this. 
Joe Ingles at one point in time during a run in the season was almost 50% from the three-point line. 50%. That is unheard of. He was doing things in a stretch of this NBA season that had never been seen before from a shooting perspective, not even Steph Curry. True. Wow. Yeah, I think it. how many six men do you know that other teams' coaches kind of plan around? It's, it's almost unheard of. But with Jordan Clarkson, I, I guarantee you other teams are sitting down in the pregame uh, practice or in something where they're like, listen, off the bench, here comes Jordan Clarkson. And that, for me, that just shows what type of player you are. And so I know that – Obviously, Derrick Rose has athleticism, and I, I would have given a million dollars to see a career of Derrick Rose uninjured. I just think that would have been something that would have been phenomenal. And it's sad that he's coming off the bench because he could have been one of the greatest players of all time. If not, he still is. And so it's unquestionable, though, that as a true six man, I, I know Joe Ingles had a couple of stars, but Jordan Clarkson came in the game and just made a difference. And so it's unquestionable. Not only is my favorite player, but he is the favorite to be six man of the year for a reason. It is because he comes in and scores. And you know, when your six man can come in and win the game for you, he's the six man of the year. And that's, uh, that's definitely what he did. Just so you know, real time, Washington will defeat the Indiana Pacers 142 to 115 and become the eighth seed in the East. So it only leaves one question mark before the NBA playoffs start. And that is who will be the eighth seed in the West, not, too much of a question because I do believe the Warriors will get it, but that's going to be a fun game because I think uh, John Morant and like we said earlier about Tunis and Dylan Brooks and that whole team could be fun for the Grizzlies. So final um, year-end award, NBA Coach of the Year, Quinn Snyder, Utah Jazz, Tom Thibodeau, New York Knicks, and Monty Williams of the Phoenix Suns. What are your thoughts? Great. So yeah, I mean, I, who were the so Quinn Snyder was head coach of the West for the All Star game, right? And then who, was it was it Tom who was the East? Wasn't Thibodeau? Would have been uh, was it Doc Rivers? Probably. Or was it Steve Nash? Either way, anyway. So Quinn, look, this one's actually kind of tough. This this one's tough for me because you in the other categories you can kind of there's always one or two that kind of pull away, but to see this, the year all three of these teams are having versus what they were last year kind of tells that they are all great coaches. I think Monte Williams even won the players or coaches association coach of the year, players association coach of the year. And, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he won coach of the year, NBA coach of the year, just because Phoenix Suns are second place now. And that's not without bad coaching. And you can argue that, oh, if Monty Williams is going to win, then it really should be Chris Paul who should win it because he's kind of the key component <laughs> in the Suns. That's, but. that's a great that's a great point. I mean, listen, I believe it's Quinn Snyder. I think he's coached the year and deserves it. The challenge is going to be most people are going to look at the Suns not making the playoffs last year and then jumping all the way to the second seed. That is a massive leap for a team. And, yes, it's Chris Paul, Chris Paul, Chris Paul. But for Monty Williams to have Chris Paul come into his system and be able to coach him, they were together in New Orleans many years ago when Chris started his career. Hmm. And to see them come back together, that's what makes this special. And I don't know this as a fact, but I've read and heard about it. And, and at least Quinn Snyder's great. Tom Thibodeau's great. 
but I hear that Monty Williams is just a sweet, nice guy. And it's a good thing to see that sometimes nice guys finish first and well-deserved, well, well-deserved for me in my heart, for Quinn Snyder to have the number one record for over a hundred days deserves it, but I'll bet it goes to Monty Williams. True. As a jazz fan, just touching on this, I, I think it's awesome how much of a relationship Quinn Snyder has with the players. I, I don't know if it's really touched on or even noticed as much, but from what I've heard is that him, especially Clarkson, him and Mitchell and him and Gobert, they all have a strong relationship with their coach, which goes a long way. Chemistry is big. And I think the fact that they like playing for him has brought the jazz to where they are. With that said, the Chris Paul effect is real. He definitely knows how to work with Monte Williams and they turned around the franchise this year. And, and that's saying something. So either way, Quinn Snyder, I'm, he's had a phenomenal year. That, that's going to go un, unmissed. And I'm just glad that he's able to trust his players and have that connection with them. So yeah, it, it's, it's been a fun season. 72 games of just great competitive basketball. Uh, if you ask me at the end of the season, if this is how it would be when it was over, I probably would have been completely wrong. Just kind of where things are lining up with, the teams but i'm glad that it's been like this and it's going to be even more fun going into the playoffs mainly because everybody is going to bring the intensity yeah you just mentioned something we could spend a whole nother hour on it but but how who would have thought maybe us because we're fans but that the jazz would have the best record and be the number one seed so yeah we're, we're fans that's a little surprising number two who would have thought that the Knicks would finish fourth in the East and be playing the Hawks as the fifth seed. And who would have thought that the seventh seed, the seventh seed would have been the Lakers in the West. There's just a, a, some funky things going on here. It just goes to show there's tremendous amount of parity. Uh, there's so many ways where we could go. There's one thing that you had sent a little bit earlier. This is kind of uh, off topic of year end awards and, and playoffs. But I want to go to something that you touched upon earlier today as we were chatting. And that is this, when we talk about playoffs, this somewhat stat. And that is that the San Antonio Spurs, hmm. for the second straight season, do not make the playoffs. Hmm. And that's pretty big because over the last 25, 30 years, the Trailblazers, the Jazz, and the Spurs probably had the longest runs in the playoffs in, in NBA history. And now you're watching the Spurs not get there. What does that say about Popovich? What does that say about the makeup of the team? You know, LaMarcus Aldridge walked away from that situation this year and then ultimately retired. Um, does Popovich say... I've had a phenomenal run. I stepped down. Um, does Becky Hammond become the first female NBA head coach? Hmm. Uh, so a whole nother conversation on that. But as we talk about the playoffs, we talk about things that we didn't expect. I don't know if we expected the Spurs to make the playoffs, but now they've missed for two straight years. Yeah, I think there was a time, if you look at the East bracket or the Eastern Conference, the the bottom three teams from like last or the last couple of years are now the top were the top three teams in that moment. So it was kind of funny to just see just kind of the turnover, not the turnover. I don't really know the right word for it, but just kind of the competitive, the competitiveness that 
the NBA can bring. And it's, it's just fun. I mean, yeah. sports fans I mean, are sports fans. Trust the process, right? The 76ers were, were the worst team in basketball for a, a handful of years. And now they're the best team in the East. It, it, it is how it goes. Um, but interesting about the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. So, first time. You, in- you said it a minute ago. It, it's, there's a there's some things that have happened at the end of the season that you would have said never would have predicted that. Yeah, I think that was the first time in franchise history for the Spurs that they aren't going to make the playoffs back to back years. So, yeah, I mean that's what makes sports sports exciting is not knowing the outcome and and still holding on to each game. Um, yeah. Some other interesting facts that I sent over earlier. So if the there's a stat the most game tying slash go ahead field goals in the final minutes. Over the last 25 seasons, Kobe Bryant has made 101, and LeBron now has 97 with his shot last night. So there's some competitiveness there. Some homage to Kobe that yeah. still is one of the greats. But you know that this conversation this this conversation could go on forever. Who's the best? All right, everybody goes to Michael Jordan. I personally would say that he is the best. But oftentimes people say, okay, then is it LeBron James? Is it Michael? Is it, is it Magic Johnson? You know, who, who's to say? I have to say, and it's not because he's passed away. Kobe Bryant, if you go back in his career, I think rivals a lot of what Jordan did. And to say that no. stat that you just said, LeBron James has been around forever and has been in what? Nine finals? Yeah. Ten finals? And I know Kobe went to a lot of finals too. But man, Kobe Bryant was amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Kind of sh- shifting gears a little bit. Another discuss on who's the greatest on the, in the world of soccer, you got Messi and, and Ronaldo, but Ronaldo just won, I think last night, uh, Copa Italia. And so that makes him just a fun little fact. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo becomes the first footballer in history to win all three major cup competitions, England, Spain, and now Italy. So I don't know if anybody out there cares about that, but he is a great athlete as well. But yeah, it's going to be a great playoff run for the um, for NBA and the ratings are going to be high. It's going to be interesting to see how the Jazz do. Obviously, we're excited. And obviously, no matter what, the playoffs are just going to be fun this year. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, we'll we'll pick up again um, after the first playoff game, I think, on Sunday, right? Yeah, let's not forget those bets, though. I got 76ers winning the East and I got the Lakers winning their series with the the sun so i don't know if you need to give blood or something but ten dollars will be mine in a little bit we'll we'll see how it goes uh i'm sure we'll buy each other a subway sandwich or something great anything else dad that's it thanks Spence. great thank you have a good night all right see you bye